0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers.
0: Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their reaction to Brentford 3, Liverpool 1 in the Premier League from the G-Tech Community Stadium are Dave Hendrick and Harry Sethi. I mean, there's only one way to sum that up. Um It was a shit show, Dave, uh, on so many levels. Um Very hard to come on a show like this immediately afterwards and flail around and try and look for the uh, positivity that most people will be really, really clinging on to and hoping for from us. We will try our best, but let's be calling a spade a spade from the start. That was nowhere near good enough on pretty much any level.
2: I'd like those people who are flailing around looking for positivity or, you know, preaching their positivity to take all that positivity, put it in a box, douse it with petrol and set it on fire because there's no positivity to take from a game like that, Trev that was with the exception of about 17 or 18 minutes at the start of the second half that was pathetic it was pathetic they were a shambles defensively they were all over the place in midfield they were overrun the two wide players were complete wastes of shirts and the two boys stood up, stood up top might as well have just you know got off and played a game of chess and tried to recreate that messy Ronaldo picture that was going around before the World Cup that was a disgrace an absolute disgrace and there's one man who is responsible for this and it's Jurgen Klopp and I know it we're not allowed to criticize him because you know he won the lot and all of this but he has allowed this team to get old he has allowed this team to get too comfortable he has allowed this team to lose its edge he has allowed an assistant manager to seemingly have far too much input on the preseason and tactical approach, because there's nobody, and I mean nobody who's watched that team this year, that can suggest that's the same team coached the same way it has been for the last six years. There's no intensity. There's no desire. There's no fight. There's no fucking bollocks to them, Trev. There's no bollocks to that team. They're running around aimlessly, half arson into tackles, no positional discipline, no tactical discipline, no seeming tactical plan, other than let's horse it into the box and hope that Darwin can get on the end of it, because that's all we did for the first half. And then the bizarre thing is at the end of the game, when you know we need to get the ball in the box to potentially, you know, score a goal, Matip and Kanate are up front and we're pricking about passing it side to side that is a shambles of a performance and it sits on the shoulders of Jurgen Klopp he is responsible for this and when you hear the bullshit he came out with in his most recent press conference where he had a pop at fans who've been demanding action to go and sort that midfield out to go and bring in players to refresh this squad not just recently last summer the summer before When he sits there and has a pop and says, well, part of my philosophy is that I want everybody to feel secure and I don't like to question them. He has allowed them to get too comfortable, too complacent and frankly, too fucking lazy. So he needs to shape up and some of them need to be shipped out really quickly. And if they're not, he can join them on the way out as well. Bit
0: of a tin ear from the manager with those comments. I mean, it's it's interesting. There's quite a loud majority who you know are um, sort of toxically positive, if you know what I mean. Um, I had this uh, little walking scrotum come at me last night um, on the bird app. And uh, tried to tell me that I was only a whinger and a whiner and a big girl's blouse and several other choice uh, uh, things because apparently uh he thought it was OK to join into a conversation I was having with a good lad on Twitter where I was saying uh, I was really disappointed that it w- looks like we weren't going to be doing any midfield business. Uh, and that we need not just one but about three that was the general tenor of the conversation Uh, and for telling him and not bowing down like most people they were running away exactly what he was i got suspended for uh 24 hours on the on the bird app and i thought wow that's a perfect encapsulation of how absolutely mental some of the people who support our team are in the way that they perceive things and harry to bring you in on this as a kind of a segue i mean I know you probably won't go quite as hard or or, or two footed uh, as as is the uh, the trademark of, of uh of, of our, our, our esteemed colleague there mm-hmm. onto the manager. Yet there's a lot of sense in that um assessment from Dave and there is a lot of sort of like I say, almost uh trust just trust stuff um Jürgen can do no wrong stuff but we have to be able don't we to uh articulate frustrations and point to where we think maybe things are going awry surely that's acceptable in this day and age without idiots losing the run themselves yeah happy
3: new year happy new year Trev uh, <laughs> I was just, just gonna say I mean I've uh one one positive that that's come out of tonight is that uh, dry January for me uh, is now starting tomorrow. And yes, th- thankfully, the Christmas spirits weren't too far uh, out of reach. Um, so for tonight, uh, yeah, I think I th- I, it's very hard to disagree with anything I think Dave said. And I think actually uh, you mentioned sort of maybe the vocal majority there or, or minority or whatever being sort of Uh, enthusiastic despite everything, relentlessly positive in the face of quite a a lot of factual evidence at this stage. Um, But I've seen a lot of people who I I would class in the sensible lane. And and as you mentioned, it's on the Bird app. Uh, (laughs) Sensible lane does seem to get narrower and narrower Mm. um, with every month. Um, But there's quite a few still in there who I looked at and um, even they, over the past few months, because it's been obvious for a number of months now, at least, if, if not, if not much longer than that, uh, to ourselves, we've been going through these games, you know, week by week for so long, that, uh, yeah, Liverpool allowed the engine of their team to rust, uh, and although it's not the, the be all end all, in terms of sort of the, the issues that we, we're seeing at the moment, it has pretty much destabilized everything around it in terms of the unit that we, and the group that we expected, to see and we have seen for so long right i think um there's there's that side of it in terms of, sort of players uh, getting older getting less effective um uh, regardless of your opinions on on individual players getting older get, getting less effective um and needing to be replaced uh, and there being no action in that area of the pitch um for a team that prided itself on intensity and given how we played in compressed space you would think that the midfield was probably quite an important uh, sort of part of that um, tactical approach, um, and then even I'd say even sort of aside from the personnel issue, that I think is pretty obvious at this stage. Uh, as Dave mentioned, not just tonight's performance and sort of the way in which the team was set up and how unprepared I thought they looked um, at times, which is again you, you look at the manager on that, but I think um quite clear attempts to tweak the way in which we played to perhaps make up for some of the deficiencies or aging of, of some of these players. Uh, and it, the, the tweaking has gotten more and more uh, sort of reactive week in, week out, as you've seen these performances go in and a struggle against energetic sides and things like that, just well-organized sides at times, Um, that actually at this stage you, you are frequently seeing players get on the pitch for Liverpool uh, and look confused as to sort of exactly what their job is exactly what system they're supposed to be playing where they're supposed to be positioned uh, and you look at you seeing people now actually look around at each other and perhaps start to throw blame at each other in a way in which you wouldn't have seen I think uh, just about what, six seven months eight eight months ago perhaps even um, I thought the unit was still stronger then so yeah it, unfortunately for the start of a new year there's a long list of, of issues that um you could sort of uh, focus in on i'm hoping one of them gets addressed this this month uh in, in terms of the midfield but yeah not yeah. people trying to do positive mental attitude and
1: all that stuff <laughs> january start of a new year uh, that's that's really not helped my mood are you that person who has everything the coolest merch and those must-have fan threads well As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I think you, you've pretty much summed it all up there in that last sentence. Uh, it is very hard to, uh, like I say, uh, pick too many um, gems or jewels out of it. And, you know, you're right, Dave. There was a little bit of a uh, tails up um, when uh, Robbo and the lads hey. came on, started the second half. And it looked encouraging. Um but I bring it back, and I just want to talk about this before we get into our usual format. I just bring it back and throw this one out there just for the sake of it. I mean, you know, because, again, people will be looking for reasons why this might have happened. If the, you know, terminally incapable of finishing um uh, chances when we really need him to, uh, Darwin Nunes finishes that one early on, Um And it goes in, and like it, he does everything pretty much exactly right. It's just, you know, the lads there to clear it off the line. If that goes in, um, you know where I'm going with this, Dave. Is there a chance that it all goes differently, or are we looking at a a thing that might have papered over cracks that are all too evident when we face adversity?
2: No, we're looking at something that would have papered over cracks. Look, we weren't we weren't particularly good against Aston Villa, uh, but we got a win. And we got a win largely because they missed a couple of really big chances. But they played through us really, really easily. We got a win against Leicester. We were absolutely shocking in that game. Absolutely shocking. And if Woodface doesn't do two of the most bizarre things you'll see any player do this season, we lose that game. And this, we weren't any worse today than we were against Leicester they're just a better team than Leicester. They're better coached, they're better organized and they actually want to play for their manager as opposed to Leicester who just couldn't really be arsed anymore. So no, I like, we, we could have won today. We could have gotten back and gotten a draw and it would have just papered over the cracks. It, this, as weird as it sounds, this might actually have been necessary to maybe wake some people up that Things are, are not right with this team right now. Like they're just not. No, as I said earlier, nobody can look at this team and tell me that something isn't drastically wrong compared to what we saw last season. Last season, the Premier League, Trev, we dropped points in 10 games across 38, eight draws, two defeats. This season, we've already dropped points in nine. In 17 games, four draws, five defeats. Take out the shitty um, title defence nonsense where we had no centre-backs because we left ourselves short of centre-backs. And look at the other th- three of the last four seasons. We lost six games in the league in those seasons. And two of them came... After the restart, when our players were largely drunk and had already won the title, it was already wrapped up. So in games that mattered, we actually lost four games in three seasons. And we've lost five games already this season in the league. And we got walloped away to Napoli. Like, there's there's something not right. And we can point the fingers at individual players because I, I don't think other than Alisson, anybody can really hold their hand up and say they've been consistently good this season. But they also don't look well prepared. They don't look like they've been well coached. They don't look like they're, like they're well set up to go and do much of anything. The only times this season that Liverpool have looked like Liverpool were the community shield and the game against City at home. And even in that game, we went to a completely different tactical plan. But we were aggressive. We were intense. We were purposeful. We were disciplined. All of the things that were the trademarks of that unbelievable group that went and won a European Cup and finished second on 97 points, then took 99 points the next year and went on that amazing run where they basically had the league wrapped up in, like, February. We were singing we're going to win the league in December because it was clear we were winning the league in December. Like, a month before we are now, that season, we were singing we're going to win the league. And now, like, we we just look lost. We We look completely lost. And what's most infuriating about it is Spurs are shit. United are shit. Newcastle are overperforming. They're not going to sustain this. City look levels below where they've been in previous years. There's Arsenal. And if we were playing at a normal Liverpool level, what we've come to expect under Klopp, if it was us and Arsenal sitting at the top of the league, even if they were three or four or five points clear, you'd still be looking at it and thinking, 20-odd games to go, this is ours we're walking away with this because they're going to stumble and we know how to sustain this, but we can't even find that level anymore.
0: Harry, I'm going to bring you in on this because that's a good segue point to have a look at the Liverpool team and talk about the bigger group in general. Um, Dave talks about that group who maintain that ridiculously high level of performance points, taking uh, trophies, uh, long runs in Cups and so on and so forth. And... you we have to put a little bit of context and say that in the current situation there today you have no Bobby Firmino no Diogo Jota and no Luis Diaz and that is no small thing for any group uh never mind ours um that is a little bit of context for us uh the captain was out with a concussion I don't understand what happened there but apparently that's a thing and the group uh that we had today the starting team. We had uh, Ali and we had uh, Trent and Simicus as full backs with Kanate and Van Dijk. Um, Harvey Elliott in midfield again, alongside Fabinho and Tiago, who I think would be, Two of most people starting three, um, to be fair, Salah, Nunes and Ox. Again, for some people, two of those would be, um, starters in our, in our front three anyway, depending on your preferences. But on the bench is where you start to see, um, some of the creeks appearing in terms of the team, because whereas we were not looking too bad defensively, um, We don't have any outstanding, proven attacker to bring on. There's Kelleher, there's Gomez, there's Keita, there's Jones, there's Robertson, Carvalho, Matip, Bacetic, and Phillips. Three
2: Um, centre-backs is lovely to have on the bench, isn't
0: it? Three centre-backs on the bench. Um, Interesting. Uh, State of affairs, um, Harry. And what it speaks Mm. to, just to fully frame this, what it speaks to really is maybe a little bit of oversight in terms of maintaining the personnel in order to keep the performance levels as high as they have been. Um, And that again, I guess is, is, is where you start side eyeing maybe the management team.
3: Yeah. Now I mean, I'm not going to get into um, so much of a discussion about sort of the, the rights and wrongs about the the sports science work that's going on at the club at the moment. I think, I mean, side so, so, so spoken about that quite a bit in terms of it, it appears to be some worrying sort of trends developing around players being absent through particular types of injuries. And, uh, you know, we were pretty confident in the nutrition set up, the sport, you know, the, and sort of the, the physical sides of sort of the Liverpool set up um, over the past few years and given lots of praise for the consistency that we, we saw with players being. Being able to play on a regular basis without a couple of exceptions. Uh, but yeah, it does appear to be an issue at the moment. And obviously having no left side, uh, left side attacker available, uh, and Gagpo still not, um, registered. Hopefully that's sorted out now promptly. Um, despite sort of still being stunned that that was the, that was the priority signing. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's one thing I think you mentioned there. So the, the, the kids on the bench, if you're being, if you're being blunt about it as well, looking on the bench, I mean, Bachetic Really exciting uh, young prospect should be not should probably be nowhere near the first team. Uh, Carvalho, really exciting young prospect should probably not be um, necessarily near the first team. Um, Phillips, uh, a defender that we presumably tried to sold, uh tried to sell in previous windows, and we know isn't good enough. Despite being sort of a good, a good lad or whatever. Um, Gomez, uh, not been great this season. Don't want to see him on the pitch necessarily too regularly. Um, Keller, obviously love Keller. Nothing no, Nothing to be said there. Jones, young, unproven. Probably should be going out on loan to get more experience. Cater, barely trusted. Probably not going to be sort of actually brought on, even if we need him. Was surprised to see him. Matip, good. Robo, good. I mean, so <laughs> actually limiting yourself to, very, very few options in, in, in multiple positions there. Uh, in terms of the actual selection itself, uh, seeing Ox on the left-hand side, I guess not altogether surprising given the the lack of options there and the fact that, you know, Cody Gepa wasn't registered in time. Nunes and Salah, happy to see those two again, of course. Tiago, Fabinho, always happy to see those two together generally. Um, Elliot, uh, I think the experiment has gone on for but more than long enough now, actually, just to uh, actually give you enough evidence um, that Javier uh, Elliott isn't um, a midfielder. Uh, and also, uh, I'm sure he is a promising uh, young uh, sort of attacker and, and winger uh, based upon what we've seen of his sort of his, his past. Um, he's never going to play there in this Liverpool team uh, whilst Mo Salah lives and breathes <laughs> and, and is wearing a red shirt. So I, I don't really see much of a future for him in midfield if we look to actually sort of try and shore up that unit. Uh, so that was a worrying selection um, for me, to be honest, ahead of the game. And uh, I feared for him being targeted, that side being targeted, like we saw last time he we went to Brentford. Uh, and lo and behold, that happened very, very early on. Canate, usually that fills us with confidence to see him back in the team. Unfortunately, he appeared to be quite, quite a bit rusty today and thrown back into a pretty intense atmosphere. Trent, yeah, I can understand that decision as well. Uh, Van Dyke, Ali. I mean, Ali. Uh, just, I, whatever a bad word said uh, about Alison Becker. Uh, but, um, yeah. So decisions you can understand weaknesses that worry you, uh, and children, uh, involve far too regularly.
0: Can I come back to you in a second to talk about, um, Brentford? Yes. Because they're very interesting. And I know you did a, a previous show. Um, but Dave, there's one Liverpool question I want to ask you around this selection. Um, if you want to say something else, of course, feel free. But then I'm going to start with you on Brentford. But the question that just came to my head and to my mind as I was listening to Harry go through through the team there is, I mean, it does seem like a little bit of an inverted world where you've got a guy who was being touted as a potential wing back in Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who obviously played on the right, yeah. um, not being put in that eight position where he can, you know, use his pace, track runners, do that defensive work, get up and down the line, all those kind of things, um, and play a forward player who is a forward player in a forward position.
2: Um, am I crazy? No, no, not at all. I I don't understand this obsession with trying to make Harvey Elliott something he's just not. Like, he just isn't a midfield player. And, like, you're doing him a real disservice by playing him there. And I know a lot of people got really excited last year when he had those good four games before his ankle got wrecked. But if you go back and watch them, we were again playing more of a 4-4-2, and he was playing wider on the right and Mo was playing more central and Sadio was dropping out on the left and it was basically a 442. The problem with Harvey is like th- there's clearly talent there, right? I'm not saying there's not. But there doesn't seem to be much of a footballing brain, now which is normal considering he's 19, which means you really need to be giving him really strict instructions. And we spoke after Leicester about where the fault of the Leicester goal came from. And it was him pressing over in the left wing area, taking a shot that started that whole thing over on the left wing while playing right side of midfield. Did anyone see where he was for their second goal today? Over, pressing on the left wing, leaving Trent 2v1 at the back post. And I saw some people criticise Ibu. Watch it back. It's actually 3v2, and Ibu has to mark the guy in front of him, which leaves Trent 2v1. But the player who should be there is Harvey Elliott, and he's not. He's 40 yards away on the other side of the pitch. Like, if the lad is going to be in the team, he needs to be put in a really small tactical box, kind of like he was against Man City this year in the Premier League. When we played that four four two, 2 and he sat in front of Milner, and he didn't fucking deviate from sitting in front of Milner. And any time he got ideas about going somewhere, two and three people were roaring at him to get back. Mm. And nobody seemed to notice today that he's spending like ridiculous amounts of time on the left hand side. I, I I didn't understand it. We bought Ox to play that right sided role. Think about when we bought Ox. The midfielders we had were Ox, Henderson, and Ginny, with Emre kind of as the fourth midfielder who was starting pretty much every week, but in different positions, and then Milner. That's the role Ox was bought to play, that right side of role. Naby was bought to be the upgrade on the left side, and Ginny was to become sort of the fourth midfielder because Emre was leaving. And Fabinho was then brought in the following summer to play the six, and Henderson, I assume the plan was Ox, (whistles) Fabinho, Naby. Ginny and Henderson are sort of the the depth players that can play all three roles. And now you've got five for three positions and they're all mid to late 20s. That's a really good age. But obviously Ox's injury against Roma, he's never been the same, but he's never been given real opportunities since either. That's the first time since February 2020, the title winning season that Alex Oxley-Chamberlain has started three games in a row. We're almost three years later. And he's been fit for large chunks of that, but he doesn't seem to have the manager's trust in midfield, which is bizarre. But yet, a nineteen-year-old who clearly can't play the role has his trust, and that's just that's really strange to me. And Dave, uh,
3: just to, yeah, sorry. just to jump in there, just for a second, because I mean, I, I think a lot of what you just said, said there about Ox in terms of sort of him being available but not trusted could be said for. The cater as well. Yeah. I, I I don't want to go into too many uh, intangibles on this one, but uh, you've spoken in the past as well about um, the the fact that this isn't a, this is clearly not a meritocracy um, uh, and has been for quite a while. And you've got senior midfielders being overlooked uh, f- um, for a a promising young kid. Again, that's another factor that seems to suggest to me that I mean you have to be in, in the world's best manager motivator, which maybe club is, uh, to avoid people getting annoyed about that after a long period of time.
2: Well, I would say look at the fact that despite having been offered a new contract, Naby Keita hasn't signed a new contract. Yeah. Huh. So I'd imagine he is probably quite annoyed. Um, look, Harvey, like I said, there is talent there. There's no doubt there's talent there. N- number one, I don't believe he's good enough at this point in his career to play for a team that has real ambitions to win major honours on a week-to-week basis as a starter in any position. But he certainly can't play there in midfield for that team.
0: No, not as an eight. Let's have a look quickly at uh, Brentford because you'd have to say they were so well worth their win um, uh, over the balance of this game. Um, Could have been, you know, four up at one point. Um, And Dave, just to start with you on it, they're very impressive, Raya I, I like him a lot. I think um, he's he's really good. Um, Jorgensen, Pinnock, and me—they um, had Rorslev, Jannik, Norgard, Jensen, and Henry, and then Wissa and Embuemo up top. Um, and it's a very straightforward system: the three lads at the back, the the wing backs, the lads working hard in midfield, certainly harder than Arador, uh, and then the two um, threatening attackers. And of course, we must. Uh, acknowledge that they started today without um, their uh, biggest threat. I think a lad who's got somewhere around 50% of their Premier League goals, um, uh, who's uh, out of the running at the moment and may well be long-term anyway because of what's going on in his own life. On their bench, they've got um, Strakowska, uh, Carlos Da Silva, Goddess Lewis Potter, Damsgaard, um Beck, Sorensen, uh, Kramer and Trevitt, and at least saw at least four of those, I think, in the end. Um, what do you make of this group? And, 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 and they appear to be quite high flying. They appear to be doing really well. They, They appear to have the ability to string it consistently over a season and, and, and could, you, you, by the looks of them on that showing tonight, they're comfortably top top ten. I would have thought. Um, maybe I'm over-egging it though. I mean, you've seen more of them than I do. What What do you make of this setup under Thomas Frank?
2: I think he's an outstanding manager. I think he's he's just got he's got a lot of what would have attracted us to to Jurgen back in the day in terms of that energy, that exuberance, that That ability to bring in players and, you know, fit them into what he wants to do, to know exactly who he wants and what he wants to get full buy-in from every player. Now you're not saying Jurgen doesn't get that anymore, but you know, those are the things I think when FSG looked at Jurgen years ago when they first bought the club and thought we're getting him at some point, no matter what, which is why they tried to get him when they sacked Roy they tried to get him when they sacked uh Kenny and then eventually obviously got him when they sacked Brendan um Thomas Frank whether he's a whether he's got Klopp's level as an elite manager I don't know but I do think he's very good they're a good unit like individually they're not spectacular like like you said Raya has done really well for them since they've come up and he's certainly progressing well from you know where he was a few years ago um, but you look at those individual defenders, Jurgensen, Pinnock, and me. Jurgensen and Pinnock have no pace. And you'd normally look at two defenders like that and say, well, they'll struggle in a three because one of them will get dragged out into a wide area, but they don't commit themselves to wide areas. Those fullbacks work incredibly hard, very similar to how ours used, well, ours, ours, Andy Robertson and, and Trent do, but they don't put as much into the going forward part, but they put it all into the defensive part. The midfield unit is really succinct, really close-knit, really tight, really hard-working, and all have a good technical level. Like, they're not just three groks in there, kicking lads. If you want to get into a kicking match, they'll kick the life out of you. But they can also get the ball down and play. Jensen's a good passer. Norgard's a super-intelligent player. and He's the one that kind of talks everyone through the game. He's just like... Remember, I used to watch Thomas Muller playing for Bayern... And you think, well, he's doing two or three lads thinking, so they can just go and do running. That's kind of what I see when I when Norgard plays, but Jensen and Janolt are also both intelligent players. And there's just they're a really strong group. And then without Tony up front, you've got the two burners, both of them like when they turn on the Jets, like Brian and Bomo ran away from Virgil as if he wasn't Virgil. And Obviously, he goes off at half time injured. But as soon as it happened, my first thought was, Virgil's got to be injured. But then you see him run away in the second half from Ibu, who's also quick. Then you see him keep pace with Ebu a couple of times. They're a really good unit. They're a really well-run club. They're one of those model clubs like Brighton where they do every little thing right. And like we used to when Edwards was running a really tight ship, they find those little marginal gains here and there, like they really take advantage of their set pieces. When was the last time you saw a Liverpool team with Virgil van Dyke in the team look so horrendous on set pieces? But look at the creativity of their movement from that little cluster at the back post. It's not the same run every time. There's three and four variations, and our lads couldn't figure it out. They were just going to their cluster and then going off in different areas. And, you know, when you see the space that they're finding themselves in and the fact that we couldn't cope, we couldn't cope at all with their set pieces because they're really well drilled. When they beat West Ham, the two goals came from throw-ins. We haven't seen a Premier League team score goals from throw-ins regularly since Stoke. And this team, like, they're quite a direct team. They play a lot of long balls. But you'd never accuse them of being an agricultural long ball team because they can mix and match. They can play it short. They can draw you in. And it's a very quick ball backwards and the long ball over the top to the two, the two sprinters or when Tony's there up aimed at him. They're, they're a really well coached, really well balanced team that are establishing themselves in the Premier League with no hint of imposter syndrome. We used to see teams come up into the league and and you know they'd all they look like like Norwich is a perfect example. Norwich always come to the Premier League and like the first couple of weeks they they'd almost give themselves away like we don't really belong here, lads. You know we're not, we're not quite sure how we ended up. We took a wrong turn. They walked into the Premier League and beat Arsenal on their first day and they've continually beaten the top teams then at their stadium and. Second season syndrome has hit a lot of those teams that had good first seasons, like Leeds and Sheffield United. And these lads are completely oblivious to it. They're just like, no, we belong in this division. This, we're good enough. You might have star names, but when you come to our place, we're good enough. And remember, they beat City away this season.
0: And that's the thing, Harry, the, the team ethic, the plan, mm. the, Identity, for want of a better term, which is all features that we've been used to uh, being able to rely on from a Jurgen Klopp team, um, very much present in that Brentford side. Just to give you a chance to speak about them, what is it that really takes your eye with them? Like, having spoken on your show in advance and and, and heard about what it is that you know the fans have been looking at on a regular basis. Um, they're impressive for all the reasons Dave mentions, mentioned, but what is it particularly takes your eye um, about this lot? Yes.
3: Yeah, so that's what I was about to Taylor um, from uh, their besotted sort of podcast. I mean, we've had Billy on in the past as well. And I, th- I think that, the, I think Dave's obviously covered a lot of the tactical nuances there, how they set up, how they approach things, uh, sort of the personnel, the recruitment that goes on. I think the thing that came across the most from, uh, the conversation I had with Taylor, but also with the, the previous sort of Brentford uh, fans that I've spoken with, is what's, I suppose like what's very obvious over the TV as well. And that, that as you've as you've said, right, that everybody is together. Uh, everybody, I mean, the fans certainly just, really this is a fairy tale for them in terms of sort of the journey that they've been on. Uh, and so there's this, this this almost this freedom to the way in which they're approaching game in game out. Uh, I think Taylor mentioned this one as a, sort of a free hit uh, in, in, in the fans' sort of view, but not a free hit that they thought they weren't gonna, they weren't going to be competitive. And uh, I think we've seen it in, in plenty of games against top sides this season and last season. They're, they're more than competitive. Uh, and um, if there is a freedom about their fans and sort of the way in which they're enjoying this sort of ride, um, there's a methodical sort of nature about Thomas Frank. Uh, And the coaching team, the recruitment team, and how they're approaching this. This is, you know, this is not sort of you know just go out there and express yourselves, guys. There's a huge amount of thought put into the way in which they recruit, the way in which they set the side up, the way in which they look to be pragmatic and change things around to deal with the 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 different teams and their strengths that they're coming up against week in week out. Uh, and even down to sort of the you know the clear attention that, that they put into set pieces that we saw frequently today, I thought you know, there's there, there's a level of detail and preparation there that you can you can only help but admire as well. I mean, we come on this pod frequently and talk about you know sides that are using sort of state money um, and money from sort of various um, different sort of origins to sort of game the system, if you will um it doesn't appear as though brentford are necessarily doing that regardless of where that money's been made um but they yeah there's a huge level a huge lot to admire about the team but the the main thing that came across from all the conversations i've had is just what a good time uh, everybody is having and how how tightly knit they are Uh, god
0: you envy them that don't you um Very much been the story of of our lives for the last while, and it just it, it's hard to see it fall away so so spectacularly. Um.
4: Hello,
2: I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff; we've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: We're going to split the first half into two. Um, And Harry, you and I are going to chat about um, a moment of... um, uh, joy for Thomas Frank's lot will go up as far as the first goal or thereabouts. I'll do the balance of that first half with Dave then. Um, because we have gone along in the opening and we're going to have to go a little bit into another topic. So the match uh, moments may have to get whittled down a bit or got, get gone through quicker because there are, there's at least one more topic raised by Dave earlier on in terms of a certain person and their influence being. Uh, shouted about on Sky Sports by Jamie Carragher this evening in a way that's you know, yeah. going to raise a lot of eyebrows. Um, so we should probably get to that before the end. That opening uh, part of the first half, which um, we're going to build up to their goal, there is an early yellow for Juergensen, um on Darwin. Nunes in six minutes, there's a decent move, ended up with an overhead pass uh, for us. Darwin has that opportunity on seven minutes, uh, where he does well. It's a nice ball through by Mo Salah. Um, he takes it, um, um, drifts to the left and, and dinks it back across towards goal. Um, you're thinking, oh, he's finally done it, but me is there on the line to clear. There's a yellow card for Harvey Elliott who goes in late to stop a counter attack on eight minutes some good work um covering and blocking across by tiago on 12 who obviously has one eye on his defensive duties at all times in this current setup 12 minutes yanult has a shot but it's straight alley wissa has an overhead effort on 15 uh, but he was offside anyway it was just a little bit of a worry because the ball was played into him and he was able to sort of like take his touch touch it up in the air and, and shape to do his overhead and um anyway he was off um and then on 16 minutes deep cross from the left side to the back post uh, simicus did enough and uh, boemo got away from virgil um on the break but ali saved on 17 and on 18 um on the back up of on the back of those little bits of momentum and slight chances for them they are ahead because from that um uh, ali saved there's a corner and from that they score um Sky were getting very excited about the way they pile bodies in there, like really making it seem as if it's just a uh, into the mixer and basically throw all your bodies in, uh, kind of, um, as they've said, agrarian tactics, Harry. But I mean, you know, there's probably a lot more to it than that. And to be honest with you, it shouldn't really matter because it's a near post corner that should be cleared. Uh, one way or the other, it goes off a who could be seen as unfortunate. It goes off his knee shin, haven't taken a touch somewhere else. I think in the way across, Allison absolutely heroic on the evening again, as always. Uh, does his best tr- to perform miracles, but he can only touch it onto the post and it goes in. Um, they had certainly, after that opening few minutes, started to build their way into the game, and it felt if. Uh, it felt, if not deserved, then hardly um, uh, a, 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 an unfair reflection of what was happening to date.
3: Yeah, it, it was a weird one for me because I actually thought that um, I mean there were there were small periods of this game where I thought Liverpool played well. One was the start of the second half for for a little bit of time. Um, and actually, I, I, I thought on the whole that she sort of started the game off fairly well in, in, in looking, looking assured, uh, and looking like we'd s- sort of, uh, prepared for the game and what to expect, uh, and putting together some nice moves in the, in the attacking sense. Um, and so sort of you could see what we were, what we were trying to do, which is very initially, uh, and then it just, it just seemed to dissipate for a little bit once they went a bit more direct, uh, and tried to cause us problems. I mean, wasn't too threatened by any of, the, sort of the, the really early chances that you mentioned there, uh, but um, uh, the the I think I think the chance that people will be talking about obviously that that counter attack that led to the corner where, where we conceded. Um, I suppose I mean yeah we'll have to see what happens with Virgil on this injury uh, that he's he, he supposedly has. You imagine he had that before the game uh, and then sort of said he was fit to play and then aggravated it a little bit. But I mean I, I'm a little bit more forgiving of him in that situation and i think some people sort of are using it to sort of say he's uh acl he's done he can't keep, uh, can't keep up uh, keep up with it with the likes of the sort of sort of anymore um i think it's more sort of the the bad body position that he has and the standing start that he actually approaches that from whereas uh when obviously on the run you know, ball played into his path uh f- full momentum and van dyke's then tr- trying to sort of put the afterburners on to to catch up with him. nevertheless yeah uh, it's it's the sort of counter attack it's the sort of um chance in transition that we've seen so many teams use against us this season it used to be our weapon which is why it, sort of, it stings even more every time i see sort of teams do it to us uh, and then the goal itself i'm going to lean on the on the side of yes, it obviously should be cleared at the near post, like we see you know, the majority of times, and I've gotten used to with, certainly with Van Dyke in the side, uh, it should be cleared. Uh, I, th- I think that's quite unlucky, to be honest, I think for, for Ibu. I'm, I'm not I'm not willing to place too much blame on him in that situation. It should be cleared, and then the ricochet could go anywhere. It unfortunately goes into the goal for us. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's sort of what we've seen throughout the season, right? Even with a promising start, even with... Uh, you know, good signs. The first sign of adversity where we used to see this bunch group together, band together and get through it. Uh, this lot seemed very vulnerable. Maybe they're sort of very aware of their own vulnerabilities. Yeah, uh, we tried to bounce back, Dave,
0: 23 minutes, some decent pressure by Oxlade-Chamberlain. Uh, good ball out to Simicus. Uh, he drove a low shot at goal, at least got on target, uh, uh, but it was saved uh, corner from that nothing came from a 25 minutes Jensen was on the break hit one over but it was a corner and from that Their um, tactic of crowding the box worked yet again. Absolute clown cars, pinball scenario at the back for us. Ali doing heroics makes a double save, I think, but it ends up in the net. However, it is disallowed because Wissa had stepped over our goal line and then back onto the pitch. um, So we got away on a technicality, if you ask me. Um, An ox long ranger is a real token effort on 32 minutes. A decent break from the same man on 33 uh, and he's pulled back in front of Stuart Atwell, but nothing's given. And at this point, I'm kind of wondering why we keep just lobbing crosses at their 119 defenders. Uh, it's a strange tactic. Um, a dangerous deep cross headed out for a corner by Simicus. Um, Soon after that, about 38-39 minutes. But it was Simicus's shy pass that it actually caused the danger in the first place. He plays a a no hoper of a crossfield ball, and it's towards Trent, but it's intercepted, and he has to make that defensive header. It goes out for a corner, and here we go. Uh they go 2-0 up. This time it does stand. VAR AR goes and checks it again. Darren England, who is the man uh, who's caused so much heartbreak for us in the past. Um uh it's disallows this one too. Um, it, it's, it's, I think Wissa taking it down and volleying it home. It's a lovely finish. Um, but it hits Ben Mee, who's in an offside position. They take a long time about it, but it's disallowed. Now,
2: you know, can, we should. Can I just pause you there for a sec, Trev? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, first things first, how much time did Johan Wissa have? Like, oh, it's ridiculous. How is he allowed to chest that ball down into about six yards of space? Yeah. But secondly, did you see how devastated Stuart Atwell was when he had to disallow that goal? Got it. Got he it. was absolutely gutted. And I'm sorry, the first goal it comes off Ben Me's hand before it hits Eboo's knee. It comes off his hand. Now it does. They said on the ha- on the broadcast, Oh well, you know, because it's it's an own goal, whatever. It comes off his hand. And not nothing was made of it, but It's a little bit unfortunate for us. Now, it probably doesn't make any difference, and we deserve to lose. I'm not suggesting we don't, but it does come off his hand. It's not properly reviewed. He should have been sent to the screen to have a look at that, in my view. And then that second, that disallowed one, the second disallowed one, like he's devastated that he has to disallow it. And he's nearly going and apologizing to their players before he disallows it.
0: I'm sure Darren England was even more upset but the good news for uh, uh Stuart Little is that only another 3 minutes pass before he can have the joy of a Brentford goal uh, because we are undone by another deep cross from the right um and Wissa's there to head the ball into the ground and into the back in net despite more heroics by Ali trying to scoop it out but it has crossed the line of course again it has to go to VAR to check or whatever that technology is to check and they're 2-0 up and they've they absolutely deserve it we had a token effort of a header from Simicus at the keeper on 44 minutes um but that's all that, that remains of the first half and they absolutely deserve that 2-0 lead and you know when you can't cope with players and let me just throw this one at you i know what would have happened if lads flooded up into a box when i was playing the game everyone would take someone because it's a, an unusual situation so you don't do your zonal thing or whatever because this is now very weird so everyone would just pick person each and you'd be responsible you do man-to-man marking try and win your header or your block or whatever um i don't think it should be that difficult it shouldn't cause this kind of clown car scenario that it seemed to do each and every time
2: no, I, I I, really don't understand, like... I don't understand how badly prepared we seem to be in, in every circumstance right now. Like, I don't know what, what we're working on. I don't know what training's been done. But what I do know is that when we were successful, we were... we You couldn't score against us from a set piece. You just could not score against us from a set piece. And I remember... We conceded one earlier this season. I can't for the life of me remember who scored it, and I remember asking when was the last time we conceded a set piece with Virgil in the team, and it was Kai Havertz early last season for Chelsea at Anfield, in the two two in the one one when when they had ten men for the second half, when he flicked on that near post header into the into the back corner, and then I was trying to think. If you look at the title-winning team, the title-winning season, the season before, we just we didn't concede goals from set pieces. We were so well organized. We were super aggressive, and like it wasn't just when we had Joel and Virgil. It was when Joe Gomez was in the team as well. And Joe's not great in the air. He's about average for centre back, maybe a little bit below. But we just seemed much more aggressive, much more competent at defending set pieces. And now one of the things, uh, Jamie Carragher is exactly right. Carragher has absolutely hit the nail on the head tonight with what he said about uh, forgetting the Linders part of it, right? Because we don't know for certain what goes on. So a lot of the influence looks like it comes from Linders, because it's similar to the team that he went and managed when he was away from the club. But Liverpool have gone from being a big, aggressive gang of bullies to this more technical, small, lightweight group who don't seem to have that real desire. And Carragher has compared it to Arsenal under Wenger. If we think of Arsenal under Wenger, you think of the first 10 years from when he took over to the Champions League final that they lost. And there were big, Powerful, aggressive bullies. And they came into the league under him with like Vieira, Petit, then Gilberto Silva, Campbell, Colo Touré. And they were athletic and they were, but they were just brilliant and they they were so powerful. And you felt like they could beat you as footballers. But if you wanted it to break into a fight, they'd beat you at that as well. And then the second part of the Wenger. 20 years, is more the Cesc Fabregasks, the Samir Nasri's, uh, Thomas Riziki. They're, They're wonderful players, but they're not Arsene Wenger, Arsenal players. And that's where they had no more success. They won a few FA Cups. But they went from being one of the elite teams in Europe to a team that celebrated getting fourth and winning FA Cups. And I've said it before, My fear is that that's where we end up because Jurgen has this philosophy and it's all about groupthink and, you know, embracing people and and making sure that everybody's, you know, come by on all the rest of it. But that's not what got us to the dance. It's not how we climb the mountain. And when we're, when we start conceding from set pieces, that's really, really concerning. And you do look at our team and think, you know, what? uh, Tiago's
4: great in the air for his height, but he's not a big fella. Harvey Elliott is tiny.
2: We're, We're small in that midfield, and with Fabinho's decline or whatever, he's a little bit less aggressive than he used to be. There's just something not right there, and The balance is off. We just, we seem to have lost our talent identification as well.
4: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan...
0: Yeah, well that's that's an interesting part that I want to bring Harry in on here because we're doing this now, Harry, you might as well do it do this. Uh mm. oddly Jamie Carragher seems to be talking sense for once section of the show. And and Dave's already mentioned the one about um uh, Pep Linders, uh, which you had put in the chat there. I think it went something long like along the lines of um I don't know if it's something to do with Pep Linders who is a big influence. and, and it, look if if at best it's mischief. Um, you know, uh, 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 at worst, maybe he does actually have an ear uh, of somebody, and and he's hearing something that you know we're not privy to. It's. A little bit concerning regardless some people will see it as him throwing Pep under the bus and will rally the troops as a result and look whatever the truth has to be as Dave that's says. That's
2: not his MO though that's not what Carragher does he doesn't throw people under the bus. No he
0: doesn't, he no. doesn't tend to accept. and this is where I want to bring uh, Harry in he doesn't tend to except he seems to have a little bit here in that he says as well uh, Harry Liverpool's transfer committee and Jurgen Klopp have been loaded more than any scouting network in world football but this is on them he says one midfield player signed in four and a half years they're running on fumes I mean you know that sounds awfully familiar Uh, (laughs)
2: that
0: that sounds like something we might have been saying and getting absolutely told we were uh, whinging and crying and all the rest of it so when you know even Jamie Carragher is saying and speaking about the the writing on the wall it is a worry
3: yeah no and I think I mean we're we're agreeing with with a lot of these quotes that we're sort, sort of seeing appear um this this evening in the aftermath of that performance and um it's 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 good, but I think that, you know, sort of the the wider media and sort of the main sort of the mainstream coverage um of these games sort of catches up to to the issues, um, but I—I I mean, part of me is definitely annoyed about it. I have to be honest, Trev. In terms of the fact that, um, yes, they're running on fumes, and yes, that's been obvious for over a year. At this stage, <laughs> it's been really obvious for a long time, um, and a really good example of why it's obvious and how obvious it is. Uh, is shown by how many teams set themselves up with that in mind week in, week out, uh, and have done all this season. Um, yes, I'm seeing all sorts of quotes here around Liverpool need to spend about 200 million, Liverpool need to sign three midfielders. Uh, for me, which is as important as Bellingham, is a Wynaldum type, I've also spent preaching to the choir. Um, and then you know, Neville jumped in as well with Liverpool need to keep Klopp and bring in new owners. They are the two biggest things for them. I mean, it's, it's hard to disagree with, with the majority of, um, of those comments in the, in the aftermath of that game. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's difficult to understand, or um, sort of. Know how much truth there is around the Linders thing. Uh, but the, the points Dave is making and the ones that we can see week in, week out, this, this looks a long way from a Jurgen Klopp team. Uh, and of course, managers evolve their adapt, they, 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 they pick up new things as they go along and, and are working with different players. But this looks a very long way from a Jurgen Klopp team. And when the team does look at its best in now moments, about 20, 20 minute spells, uh, this season, when they look to go back to their old approach and sort of building chances through intensity and pressing, but they can't sustain it for long periods of time, when they look better in those moments, you do have to question, okay, so why is the team allowed to get to the stage where they can only sustain that for 20-minute spells?
0: Yeah. About 10 minutes for us to wrap up the second <laughs> half because it gets a bit depressing. Um, we do have a go, as we said. Joel, Naby and Robbo coming on for Simicus, Harvey and Virgil, who uh has a knock of some sort. Um, there is a chance straight away, 45 minutes, a dangerous Robbo cross. He was very good in that opening period where he came on, really brought the intensity to it. Uh, his cross was to Darwin, but was put out for a corner. 47 minutes, Darwin plays a lovely through ball, to. A lovely through ball to Darwin by Thiago. Uh, Darwin's finish is excellent, but it goes to Veyor and it turns out he's a, a smidge offside, because of course that's when he scores. Um, it's the kid has no luck at the moment. It's you, you, you got to feel from on 49 minutes. Harry, and we'll pause briefly here before we take it another little bit. On 49 minutes, we are uh, a goal back. It's Oxley Chamberlain. Uh, Fabinho plays the ball out to Trent, who cuts back onto his left and scoops in an in-swinging cross on his left foot, which Oxley Chamberlain's coming from left to right to not home. And at that point, tails are up. And just briefly from you, um, had you what was the optimism level like at that point of the second half?
3: Yeah, it was it, it was it was reasonably high, um, just because I think that that goal came sort of fairly so sort of shortly after the Nunez. Uh, disallowed one as well. So I was hopeful that maybe we'd be able to keep that intensity up for a little bit longer. Maybe would get another chance and yeah, we'd, we'd. We, 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 we hit them sort of quickly with two, two sort of quick fire goals. Uh, I mean, that, that quickly dissipated, obviously, but in terms of sort of j- just that little bit of action, Nunez, I mean, I think I actually stopped. I did, didn't talk about his chance in the first half, but yeah, the guy does absolutely everything correct there in terms of sort of ra- Um, you're making the run, timing that correctly, rounding the keeper, and is obviously sort of denied by Ben Mee. And this time as well, it's, it's a wonderful finish as well. We're talking about him snatching things, being rash. That's you know calmness personified in 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 that chance and just of course it's offside so really did feel for him and I, I think he sort of his confidence did seem to wane after that actually to be honest but uh, Ox yeah looked reasonably encouraging in patches you know he's not the same player he was uh, may, makes a nice run uh, you know gets good connection on that header Trent uh, as well the start the second half seemed to use his left foot a couple of times try and be a bit more. Uh, sort of creative in that side of things, but um, yeah, I was I was still hopeful, Trevor I, I I'd, I'd hoped that there'd been a massive uh, shouting match at half time and they were, they were coming out to restore some pride.
0: Yeah, like you know what, I'm gonna because we want to just keep this to a reasonable length, and you're gonna have to have your you no doubt will have some bigger wide ranging thoughts for uh, the <laughs> wrap up. I'm gonna come back to you for your wrap up thoughts in a minute, and I'm gonna just go through the rest of the uh, the, the the half here with Dave because honestly. You know, after that goal, um, I've just noted that you could really see the difference that Andy Robertson had made. He had the captain's armband on, he seemed to be really taken seriously and 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 and, and doing well. Impetus penetration, fifty-four minutes to was a a great turn and a carry from Fabinho. Then he has a dig at the end of it, well saved. Um Tiago then does well to stop a whistle counter on 56 minutes he has two digs himself three minutes later that it ends up in the corner we get nothing from and uh, nabby and mo create some good pressure uh on 66 but nothing comes of it. darwin in a good position on 69 but pulls a shop hopel- shot hopelessly wide from right to left in a way that we were all too familiar with in a recent match where he did the same thing about four times um Trent did very well with a back header to Ali on seventy. Darwin picks up a yellow on seventy two. They bring on the Silva, Lewis Potter for Jensen and Norgaard. There's one more sub there as well. Whissa went off as well. Um, seventy four. Trent had a chance to shoot after some good work by Naby, but he got crowded out and there was possibly an opportunity to pull his pull the trigger on his left foot. Uh, seventy nine. Mo has a shot for him. you know he's drifting in from the right and he sort of pokes a shot with his left towards the near post that goes out for a corner and. I'm just going to pause there and say that we're not seeing anywhere near enough from that lad at all. Anywhere near 80 minutes. Um, from that second corner, uh, Ibu has a header across the face of goal, flashes it from right to left. We bring on Curtis for Oxlade-Chamberlain on 82 minutes because Jürgen. On 83, we are uh, 3-1 down. The game's over. It's in Buemo. Uh, it does go to VAR and it's given... Uh, Ibu was under pressure does get a bit of a shove um but and Waymo overpowers him gets in and finishes past Ali and I'm just going to take it through the rest of the incidents there Dave and you can pick the hell, whatever the hell you want to talk about um at that point when that goal goes in in the second half they had had 27% of the ball one shot at one goal 86 yes. minutes they bring on Godis uh, and uh Canos. For Mbuimo and Yanult and, uh, then on 87, Nabi hit Mo from point blank range uh, in front of goal. It didn't really matter at that stage because we 3-1 down. Six minutes get added, much to everyone's chagrin. Uh, Ali had to do brilliantly on 93 with a cross from the right to tap, uh, to stretch and get a hand to it. And then Trent had a shot cleared off the line by me because that seems to be what me does. Um, yeah, uh, I'd love to have been able to dwell more on really, really creative play and fantastically incisive opportunities there, Dave, but I can't do it. Um, talk to me about that um, second half and your thoughts and in general. And then we'll finish the show with you after I get Harry's wrap ups.
2: I thought, um, I thought the three boys that came on a half time all played fairly well. I thought Joel with his ability to carry the ball created real chaos in their kind of set half field defense where they had those, two lines of five basically lined up in front of us. But with Joel able to beat the ball, or be, be, beat a line by carrying and with Naby being able to to drift through the lines with the ball at his feet as well, I, I thought we were really starting to open them up. And, you know, it's not that long ago they went 2-0 up against Spurs at home and threw it away and ended up drawing 2-2. and. They deserved the draw but they very nearly lost the game when Kane hit the crossbar late on. And I thought we can absolutely open these up and we saw the Darwin chance unfortunately he's a half yard offside it's a brilliant finish which you know proves that he can finish. Then we get the goal and do you know what was really weird it was we, we get the goal ox scores what what was that 56 minutes or something like that um or whatever time it was ox scores And then it's almost like we froze him out of the game because they seem to stop passing him the ball. And you would have thought having gotten a goal, his confidence is going to be up and maybe get him a bit more of the ball and see if he's, you know, if he's willing to take them on and and try and make something happen. We just stopped doing it. Um, I thought Naby had a, had a good, good half obviously came on, had some good dribbles, good one twos created a couple of half chances set Trent up for a decent chance after decent work by Mo. But Trent didn't shoot first time because he didn't have his feet right. Um, I've seen people criticise Navi for the third goal. He's trying to make something happen and he gets tackled because he's 2 or 3 v 1 in an area of the pitch with no support because all of our lads are gone and standing in the penalty area. And we'd, we'd seemingly lost. After Darwin got hurt, we seemed or got a, got the yellow card we kinda of seemed to stop playing and we didn't really seem to have any desire and then they get that third goal. Now Ibu should do a lot better. When he when he controls that ball with his head, he should actually have just headed that ball either back to Allison or just behind for a corner. He shouldn't be trying to control the ball there. He does get a, a little shove in the back, but his leg as he runs also catches the inside of Mbomo's leg that part's not a foul the push in the back is a foul especially when you're that big and running that fast any kind of push is going to send you over but it would have been soft in my view like and it would have been another excuse and another plaster over a crack we we deserve to lose today and you know it was it was good to see Robbo grab hold of everybody after that third goal and start screaming at them and telling them to up their effort and up the tempo. But then it never happened. And like I said earlier, you know, we spent the whole first half throwing in crosses left, right and centre that nobody was going to get on the end of. And then from their third goal onwards, there's about 10 minutes. There's 10 minutes left. And we just kind of give up on pulling the ball into the box. One of Mata and Ibu was in the box pretty much that entire last 10 minutes. And we weren't putting the ball in towards them. We weren't trying to create any sort of chaos in their penalty box or, or anything. And it was just really, really disappointing to see. And the whole performance was just, it it was a, it was a shambles. There was a good 20 minutes or so to start the second half. But other than that, they didn't look like they cared, Trev. And that's, that's what gets me. There's too many lads walking about, getting by on reputation, you know, phoning it in. As you said, we need to be getting a lot more out of Mo. We need to be getting a lot more out of Trent. I know he had a couple of decent games coming into this one, but we need to see more of that. Like there was a moment in the game where he got, he, he, it was actually, it was the, it was the one where Simic has played that shite ball across and Trent gets out muscled and he sits on the floor. And doesn't get up and chase back into position. He kind of sits on the floor, looks around, and then kind of gets up and ambles back. And by then, the cross is coming in. And Simicus is 2v1 at the back post because everybody else had to shift across because Trent was sat on the floor. Like, there's there's massive changes needed. Like, we talk about the need in midfield all the time. There's bigger surgery needed to this squad than people want to accept. There's, there's needs at centre-back in terms of depth. I think we need to be getting moving on Costas. I, I think he's a fine player, but I think you move him on, you get in someone new at left back to push Robo with, you know, with a bit more hunger and a bit more desire and a bit more aggression. Like, Costas was so weak in that first half. So, so weak. And like, there's just, as I said, I thought Naby played well, but like Naby and Ox shouldn't be at the club. They're leaving in six months for free. We paid £86 million for the two of them, and they're going to leave for free. We're a club that, according to Jurgen Klopp, has to sell to buy. You know, we collect the money. One of the ways we do that is selling players. And yet, here we are once again with two lads that easily could have been sold at any point over the last couple of years, and we wouldn't really have missed them all that much because he hasn't trusted them to play them regularly. And that money could have gone back into the team. And it just hasn't happened. And now we're staring at the summer because, by all accounts, well, according to Jürgen, it doesn't look like we're going to do anything, more this window. So we spent our entire budget for the window when we needed the midfielder on a forward player, which maybe tells you that Diaz or Jota is going to be out for a bit longer than they've let on. We need three in midfield at least. And I'd argue we'd actually need four because there's three leaving. We need two already with the current group. We need two. You factor in th- three more leaving. I think we probably need four because Fabinho and Thiago are doing the only midfielders who will be at the club next year that are good enough to play for this team. Henderson's finished. Jones hasn't shown he's good enough. Elliot's not a midfielder. Basatic is a child. I mean, what's going to happen? Tyler Morton's going to come back off loan and that's going to be the answer. Like, do me a favor. Like Joel and Joe, they've been. Pretty poor this season. I thought like I said, Joel played well today, but he's been pretty poor this season. Should be moving him and Joe on. Bobby should be moving on. Kelleher might move on, and there might be a need there. Does need a backup left back? Could do it a grown-up backup right back because the kid we bought from Scotland seemingly needs quite a lot of work to get up to the level. It's 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 not gonna happen under these owners. They're not gonna front the money. And no. we don't have the players to sell. And apparently it doesn't matter how well we do in Europe. We got to a Champions League final last summer and we ended up having almost a net profit in the, in, in the summer. So, you know, where's all the money going? Can, can someone point me in the direction of the massive amounts of money that we're making? It's not all going the wage bill before people say it is. It's, it's just not. The wage bill, I'm sorry, if you believe we have the same level of wage bill as Man City, I, I have bridges and boats to sell you you know, all day long. Something is badly wrong at the club right now. And, you know, when you see Edwards going, he gets replaced by Ward a year into his dream job that he's worked towards for a decade. Julian Ward is now leaving. Um Ian Graham, who's been absolutely vital to helping build everything that we see. He's gone. Mike Gordon, who was running the club day to day, In the shadows, he's gone. Like, who, what's gonna, what's gonna be left? Who's left? Who's making decisions now? Billy Hogan is the CEO, but he doesn't know anything about the football side of things by his own admission. That was Mike Gordon's overview and my Gordon overview oversaw everything, but it was Gordon, Hogan and Edwards. Ward didn't get the same type of power that Edwards had, and now he's going anyway. And it's concerning. It is concerning. It's looking looking at a situation where you're looking at this wonderful manager and you're worried, or I'm worried at least, not everybody is obviously, because some people are very positive, but I'm worried that we are going to turn him into Wenger, where he's going to be going out and embarrassing himself, saying that fourth is a trophy in a couple of years, because that's where it got to with Wenger because of how thinly stretched he got and how much he was having to do. And and I worry that that's going to happen with Klopp, that he's going to be spread far too thin. He's not going to have the the funds. He's going to be playing substandard players, holding on to more players for years after they're useful. And then he's, he's going to come out someday and say, Oh, you know, fourth is, is, is like winning a trophy, which is, The single most embarrassing moment of Arsene Wenger's uh, reign, and one of the things that turned Arsenal fans... Arsene Wenger's the greatest manager in Arsenal history. The greatest manager they've ever had. And think of how toxic it got between the fans and him in that last year. They were singing from to go, holding up banners. The greatest manager in their history. That should never have happened. And you'd worry about it happening with us. Remember how great Rafa was? but Rafa got spread too thin and there were large portions of the fan base that wanted Rafa out. Like we've got to be giving this guy more support and more guidance and more of a strong hand. Jürgen doesn't work well when he's got total control. He said Mm -hmm. that when he arrived at the club, he needs a strong sporting director. Him and Zork worked because Zork reined him in and pushed him towards his strength and hid him from his own weaknesses. That's what we need right now. It feels, um, like you've uh,
0: pretty much done your sum up there as well. So I yeah, don't want I don't want to double down. Just to remind people what's coming up from you for the week.
2: Uh, two footed every day, um, from tomorrow. Uh, Daily Red is back obviously every day. There'll be a scouted, not for wolves, but we'll do one for on something else. And then we'll obviously be back for the next Premier League game. And yeah, there's a few other bits and bobs coming, but they're the main ones. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Um, Harry, to finish with you
0: and your overall thoughts on about, about it, it does feel as if there's a sort of a, 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 something a bit askew on an existential level at the club. You know, when you start picking it apart, um, the changes that have occurred, the personnel, um, changes as well as the cultural changes the changes we're seeing on the field not for the better um and the lack of changes amongst the actual playing staff where we need them uh it does all feel a bit you know like as they've said that there's something very much awry doesn't
3: it yeah no i i remember when club was appointed and um I think one of my one of my overarching feelings was just was relief in that there would would be less focus on some of the the issues that we we'd ended up focusing on quite a lot by the end of rogers time um around or sort of dysfunctional elements of the club and things not working as they should and some people you know after more power than than they had or or more power than they should have and things not working in lockstep and that was one of the most enjoyable things about Klopp joining uh, beyond his own brilliance is, has been you know, the, everything working together um, so efficiently and yeah there's plenty of times that we spent talking about how well run the club was and you, and you fear that that has that has changed um, and again I think when we're talking about Klopp and having increased power and Linders and things like that obviously there's a degree to which you know, we don't know exactly but we're, we're putting two and two together based on quite a lot of Evidence at this stage, uh, I I find it hard to, to disagree with a lot of what Dave says in, 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 around the concerns that there are at the club. Um, my the optimistic side of me would be that whilst It doesn't it doesn't solve everything by any stretch of the imagination. Um, if tonight does provide the impetus, along with some of those sort of pretty you know mainstream comments from from Carragher there as well uh, on, on on live TV about all the issues Liverpool have. Um, if that does end up sort of helping us actually push through a signing this month for a midfielder, um, a first team midfielder, um, to, to get us start to edging closer towards looking like a clock side again, as opposed to this sort of, um, sort of technical hybrid that's a, a lot more vulnerable, um, that would be sort of the a, an end of January that I, I would be quite happy about, to be honest, because I think, that does not uh, address all of our issues by any stretch, but, um, you know, begins to address some of them that we think are perhaps the, you know, the, the heart of the issue. And it doesn't sort of how structurally weak we look at times. So, yeah, I'm hoping there's a signing this month, um, in, in midfield. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, Gakpo, uh, can join our attack and help to paper over the cracks a little bit in the way in which, uh, I think the attack has been doing, to be honest, for a couple of seasons now. Uh, if we're, if we're honest, the the brilliance of those attackers has often sort of made up for deficiencies in other part of the pitch. So, yeah, it's hard not to be disheartened by that. Because, you know, the first game of the new year, you're looking to try and not do the very predictable thing, and then you do the predictable thing and lose in a very predictable fashion. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very disappointing, Trev, but in terms of what's coming from me as well, there'll be a, uh, so rival recon's back on, on a regular basis now ahead of each Premier League game. And the next one is obviously we have to wait a little bit of time because of the, the Wolves game, in the FA Cup, but there'll be one, um, ahead of, uh, our trip to Brighton. So that's, uh, going to be fun. No doubt. Obviously, uh, going to face another well-run, uh, club, um, who operates and, and look better than some of their parts.
0: It's okay. Um, there'll be 200 million spent now because Jimmy Carragher said so. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Uh, as ever, thanks to Dave Hendrick and to Harry Sethi for the ever present balance between, um, passionate, um, e- emotion and, and, and balanced insight. It's really, uh, the type of thing that makes this show, I think, um, the best at what it does and I'm glad to be a part of it. We'll be back regardless of win, lose or draws. we always are for you on Raw after the next Reds outing so do keep it here for that and keep an eye out for all the things the lads just mentioned they're part of. Always worth your eyes and ears when they're involved in something. I'm Trev Downey. That was Harry Sethi and Dave Hendrick. This is Raw and we'll be back next time the Reds play.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel